Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, Linda Burns, and my counterpart, Savon Morris, was not able to be here today, but I'm joined by a special guest, Serge Prevere. Um, he's been on countless episodes in the past. Um, the last review he was on was for Soul back in January, um, and uh, he's just been just a, a reliable um, guest, giving just great insights for the movies that we've been able to do in the past. And uh, thanks for being back on, man. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And um, before we get into um, our review for for Monster tonight, um, I just wanted to give um, a quick reminder to follow um, our social media pages on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's at Full Scope Pod, um, at, at Full Scope underscore, under, um, under underscore pod. And right there, you can find all of the updates for what we're doing with the posts and also when the episodes are dropping. So continue to follow that, continue to, uh, to see what we're doing on a weekly basis. And now getting into our view of Monster, to start with the overview, Monster is a 2018 legal drama film directed by Anthony Mandler from a screenplay by Rhonda Blank, Cole Wiley, and Janice Schaefer, based on the novel of the same name by Walter Dean Myers, starring Kelvin Harrison Jr., uh, Jennifer L., Tim Blake Nelson, Nas, ASAP Rocky, um, uh, Myers, Paul Ben Victor, John David Washington, Jennifer Hudson, and Jeffrey Wright. Um, and and also John, John Legend serves as executive producer on the film, and it had a 68% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, to start it off, Serge, like, what were your initial thoughts of this film as it was one that was, you know, just really very, just really thought-provoking um, and suspenseful? Yeah. Um, I'll say for one, this film was, um, was cinematically pleasing to the eye, uh, very, very aesthetic. Uh, that's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to watch the film. Uh, I'm a photographer myself, and I'm getting into videography. And so seeing how much they pay attention to the way they frame their shots or the color size or the color tones matching the melanin of the characters was quite intriguing to me, and it really caught my eye. I thought they did a fantastic job doing that. But not just that. Um, I mean, just the cast and of himself, you have people like uh, ASAP Rocky, you had uh, Jarrell Jerome, who was actually um, in the series When They See Us, which I also love. Yeah. John David Washington. Like this, this film is stacked with amazing actors. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, th- that, that was definitely one of the biggest things that, that, that stood out to me in this one was, was the casting. Because a lot of times you can have films that have a very strong direct message, but the casting doesn't, you know, also live up to, to what they're, the message they're trying to convey. Um, we started off with our first topic from one to four stars. What would you give it? Um, I personally would give it four. Like, I think it was a couple or a few weeks ago, you mentioned this movie to me. And this was like, as soon as you mentioned it, like it, this was a movie that when I saw it, it really felt as though it possessed just a timely theme and a cast, as we we're talking about, that bolstered the attempt to discuss race and identity politics. Um, but to you from one to four stars, what would you give it? And kind of like, what are your reasons for your rating? I'll say four stars. Um, yeah. For this very reason, um, not only was he acting phenomenal and very believable, but just the overall message of the film was just uh, it's realistic. Um, now, I don't want to spoil too much for those who might want to watch it later. Actually, I might have to spoil it. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> spoiler warning. <laughs> spoiler warning. I mean, you have this character. You have this young man, uh, Kevin, Kevin, Kelvin Harrison yeah. Jr. Um, and he is well-known uh, for him being creative. He, he's a star student in school, uh, has a very wonderful family, stable family. 
and he gets caught up in a difficult situation. And whenever you watch the last scene, it reveals to you that not everything is black and white as mm-hmm. it shows at the beginning of the film. And so there's a sense of realism in which uh, you can kind of relate to because in life, not everything is black and white as you want it to be. Um, right. And so I want to say four stars because of that the overall message in regards to how how realistic it can be. Because sometimes you get caught up in situations that, that is not for you and you look back and you wish you weren't involved or you wish mm-hmm. maybe you would have take, taken a left turn or a right turn. Um, and so I'll give it four stars because of that. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, as you said, like the things just not always being black and white, that portrayal of it and and the realness that it conveyed, that, that was something that just kind of really stood out to me as well. Transitioning to favorite character, um, I, I had Mr. Harmon, um, you know, he, he was played by Jeffrey Wright. And to me, he was really one of the most emotionally stabilizing forces of the film. And he was kind of able to guide us Heave at times before the accusation of the crime was committed. And to me, he had this just this calmness about him, um, you know, and obviously there were some points throughout the accusation that it was tough for him as a father to see his son go through what he was going through. But I really felt as though he was like one of the emotionally stabilizing forces of the film. Um, to you, who was kind of your favorite character? Or maybe there were like two or three that you felt as though like stood out to you. Yeah, um, I'll say for one, uh, I, I think because of how um, this actor, well, he's a rapper actually, but I didn't know he could act until until now. So Nas, <laughs> me too. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Nas plays a character named Raymond. He's also um, a gentleman who is also in prison, and he's been affected by the prison system. And he's kind of like he plays this—I uh, don't want to say fatherly figure, but this mentor—as um, the main character is going through what he goes through. And Nas does a gr- fantastic job just acting, you know, being this believable character of this guy who—I mean, I don't know what his crime, what crime he committed. I can't remember if they mentioned in the movie, but. You can kind of relate like, hey, I'm here, I'm in prison. And he understands uh, issues in regards to how the prison system works. And he's trying to help mm-hmm. this young man uh, through this tough time. And so I'll say he's definitely my favorite uh, character. Uh, now, in regards to, let's, let's say, uh, swagger, let's say in regards to style, I love ASAP Rocky's character. William oh, King. he killed it. His swag yeah. was on 10. His swag he, was on 10. It was on 10. It was on 10. <laughs> And so, um, ASAP Rocky, honestly, I feel like ASAP played himself. <laughs> That's what <laughs> it really movie. felt. As, it, it felt as though, like, just how he embodied that character, it, 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 it was not even, like, a challenge for him. It was just like, this is how I am on an everyday basis. Yes, yes. And so. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and and also, and another thing before we get to most memorable scenes, like, in terms of how they portray New York as, you know, one with just vibrant art, and community, but also bringing uh, to light the unpleasant realities such as racism and, and violent crimes. Um, do you feel as though the, the director, Anthony Mandler, did the best portrayal he could of trying to highlight everything a city city can possess and be known for? Because to, to highlight the things in New York and just a particular city, I felt as though like it was a really tough task. But to me, he really pulled it off in terms of kind of making it feel as though, hey, this is what New York can be like, the, the good and bad side of it. Yeah. Am I am I allowed to spoil things on this? Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So th- there's a there's a scene in which uh, you have Kelvin Harris. Um, he's being shown around by uh, William King and his cousin Richard. Um, like what goes on in the city at night, and so they talk about how you see that man over there sitting on the bench. He you never see him move. Like he's always there, 
And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, like he's like a, like a middleman for, for drugs. And you see up in the window, uh, a girl looking at the window, um, you know, watching out or keeping out for like, say, police officers or whoever it may be. Now, again, I don't promote this lifestyle, but this just shows the realism of what actually happens in, in, in this real world. Um, but, you know, this lady, she was running a uh, prostitution ring pretty much. And right. so yeah. you have William King, who's well aware of the system within his own community and how people, they hustle and this is what they do for money. And Calvin Harris was not aware of, well, you know, of this system. Um, and so I think the, uh, the director did a fantastic job showing that because obviously that does happen. Now, mm-hmm. some cities is more apparent than others, of course. Um, some, in some cities, uh, it's more out in the open. Um, but sometimes, depending on where you live, uh, you don't really see those things. Sometimes you would have to look for them in order to see it. It's in the dark. Yeah, it's in the dark, exactly. And so I think the director did a fantastic job um, utilizing uh, ASAP's character, King, to show Kelvin Harris, like, this goes on in the streets in our community. This is how we hustle. And so I think he did a fantastic job portraying that in the film. Yeah, absolutely. And transitioning to most memorable scenes, um, I had the fight and robbery scene where Mr. Evans explained what happened on the 12th. Um, I didn't do it where Steve tries to convince his defendant Catherine O'Brien before the trial, that he's completely innocent. Um, Anthony Petrelli's Petrelli's statement, where as the prosecutor, he pleads to the jury for them to not let Catherine and Steve play on their sympathies. Um, Stephen King's conversation at the park where King tries to convince, um, where where Steve tries to, um, where King tries to convince Steve to try to to capture a more unfiltered look at the city and um, gets him to like, try to be a better storyteller and he, he sees that the skill that Steve has, but he also feels as, feels as though he's not really capturing the real elements of the city. Um, also, Mr. Harmon visiting Steve in prison. Uh, Mr. Harmon is discussing all of the things he was looking forward to in Steve's life before this accusation and encouraged him to stay strong before the verdict. Also had Steve and Raymond's conversation in prison um, where Raymond tries to give Steve tips and a guide on how to, um, survive while he's behind bars and just being a sounding board for him through a challenging time. And finally, um, Steve and Renee's walk in the neighborhood at night. And, you know, this is the scene where they're just talking about their creative sides and lives just overall where, where they kind of both see themselves uh, in the future. Um, but looking back at this one, like what were kind of some of your most memorable scenes or was there one in particular that you kind of mm-hmm. just went back in, back on and thought about um, some more? Yeah. So like uh, th- this question is quite difficult because this film is filled with uh, poetic uh, euphemisms and, and similes and, and metaphors. And yeah, it's just a fantastic film um, just portraying poetry and art in general. Um, I think what really stuck out to me was, so King is playing chess with this older gentleman. And uh, I think it was his sister, uh, his sister, I think her name was uh, Renee. Yeah, uh, she was. Yeah, she was braiding her brother's hair, and uh, of course, the main character Kelvin was there. And as he's playing chess uh, with this older gentleman, this older gentleman gives like this parable of uh, of this man who makes it up to the top by riding on top of the tiger, and then the tiger eats him. And it's symbolic mm. for, you know, fellowshipping with an individual who helps you gain traction and make it to the top just to wind up him, uh, wind up getting killed by that person or being harmed by the person. And it's symbolic of 
Calvin's affiliation with King and his cousin Richard. But I think also um, we also see later in the film, William King and Richard have, uh, have uh, I guess, turmoil between the, uh, the both of them where they hate each other now, even though they're cousins. Because uh, King is pretty much uh, not happy that his cousin ratted him out. Um, his cousin accepted the plea deal that if he tells the police uh, who was uh, with him uh, during this crime, he would uh, decrease his sentence. And so he pretty much snitched on his cousin. And so that's also a fulfillment of that metaphor that we see in the previous uh, scenes. The tiger, you're riding, up, uh, riding on the tiger's back to defeat your enemies and make it to the top just so the tiger could just consume you in the end. And I think Richard was that tiger, symbolically speaking. And this is why I love this, uh, this movie, because there's so much attention when it comes to not only the way it's filmed and the details um, and the scenes, but also in regards to the metaphors are used, the, 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 the poetic use. so many metaphors used. dropped. Yes, it's amazing. It's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and another thing you were mentioning, like, you also do photography. Steve, he was in photography. Like, what elements of, like, what how Steve's thought process were in photography that, that like, as a photographer yourself that you kind of related to and were like, man, that's something that I even kind of resonate with or just feel on a weekly basis when I'm putting my creative side together. Like, were there any elements of of how Steve's thought process were that you kind of related to and felt as though like it was realistic for what a photographer or even videographer has to, to do on a daily basis? Mm -hmm. So what's really interesting is like, not only is Kelvin Harris, the main character is, you know, he's monologuing throughout the film, but you see through his perspective, through his eyes, you know, the way he sees the world and views the world. Uh, there's scenes right. where he would uh, cup his uh, his hands around his eye as if he's holding a uh, invisible camera just to look around and see what's around him. Or even when he's with his best friends, like he's making videos of everything. He has his iPhone out taking videos. Mm -hmm. he's, in a, he's in a train and taking pictures and videos of people. And it's that artistic mindset in which he is able to see the, the world differently than your average person, which actually uh, would be revealed uh, in the end of the film of how the situation he was involved in was a sticky situation because he kind of forgot about um, what the, you know, his, uh, his uh, friend, not friends, acquaintances, William King and Richard, he kind of forgot about their intentions uh, behind the uh, robbery. They didn't, I don't want to spoil too much. You'll see it. Um, yeah. But pretty much because of Kelvin's, uh, view of the world through his art artistic perspective, he sees things differently. He approaches things differently, and he he's an artist. And it's the same thing for me. Like, I'll I'll go out, go throughout the day, and I'll notice things. I'll see how beautiful the world is, or like mm -hmm. certain um, things that will stick out to me. Like a homeless guy who had who's aesthetically pleasing to the eye uh, in in some way, shape, or form, or maybe like let's say for instance, if I'm going downtown, um, if I'm going to Graffiti Bridge. If I'm going to Bay Bluffs, uh, there's certain sceneries that just really appeal to me. Or even let's say when I'm taking, a, I'm doing a photo shoot, you know, I'll shoot at certain angles or I'll, I'll frame the shot with my hands or I'll use like a random plant to frame the shot just to make it a bit more appealing to the eye. And I can resonate with him because a person who's an artist, they can view the world differently, let's say, in comparison to, let's say, a person who's 
specifically in regards to, you know, his life is in, in regards to business or mathematics, or maybe he's a preacher, you know, artists see the world differently. Um, and I think that's also translate into other areas of art, like music, um, videography, of course. And so would you say, would you say artists are perfectionists? Like, do you feel as though like, like every artist almost has like every detail almost has to be like just in, in a symmetrical type of position? Mm-hmm. It, it depends. Um, some artists, because art in and of itself, depending on the person, it can be subjective. Um, yeah. it, it depends on like what they're trying to, to go for, what, you know, what they're trying to look for. Uh, you can have artists who are perfectionists and they have more of a classical view of art. You know, and I'm talking about like the Da Vinci, you know, people who literally like paint human beings <laughs> and they have more of a, <laughs> exactly. uh, a more fundamentalist uh, foundation or classical foundation. But there are uh, others who, let's say, they're more uh, subjective in, in the way they view the world. Their, their foundation might be, you know, classical, but they can express it differently uh, than, let's say, your average uh, artist. Um, I mean, I know... For instance, uh, people who are singers or who are rappers or who are in the music industry, well, they would take the foundations of, you know, classical art, let's say classical music, and they'll build upon that their own creativity. Like, let's say, for instance, rappers who utilize classical music in their raps, like strings and pianos. Mm -hmm. And infuse it into their sound. It's it's perfect. Exactly, right? And so a lot of people, let's say, who are more traditional – they'll see the rap and be like, oh, we're, we're not necessarily okay with that, right? I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? You yeah. I mean? But nonetheless, like, it's still art because it's that artist's expression and they're able to utilize something maybe traditional, something different. But nonetheless, depending on the person, uh, art can be quite subjective. Um, right. So, I mean, I hopefully that, that answers the question. Oh, no. <laughs> That that, that that was a, a very great explanation um, uh, in terms of everything you were describing. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back for the second half of the show. Welcome back to the show. And now we're getting into the second half. And to start with the most memorable quotes, I had um, monsters don't cry in the dark. In the light during the day, it felt like a movie. Um, people around here don't like being watched. That's my signature, he said, finding someone worth capturing, remembering its shape and texture. Um, but what is good company who keeps it? Um, also, everything I do here is processed through a lens of guilt, guilty versus guilty. It's lose-lose. And finally, this doesn't change who you are, Steve. Um, I felt like that this doesn't change who you are, Steve, was really like a great quote embodying that no matter what happened to him, he was still going to have his dignity. He was still going to be who he was, um, even from the beginning of the film. Um, but to you, kind of like what was... Um, some of your most memorable quotes and the ones that kind of just stick out to you. Yeah. So um, I'll say, I think my favorite one is what he says in the end of the film, which kind of summarizes the whole plot or the whole idea. Um, he says pretty much, and this is just me summarizing it. He says, what am I? Am I a boy? Am I a man? Am I a monster? Um, something of that sort. And it, it stuck out to me because he, he mentions how will this one moment define the rest of my entire life. And you have all these people accusing him of being this and that, specifically um, the attorney that was against him, running against him, calling him a monster, which is, you know, a a normative thing to do typically whenever you have a young man who's affiliated with some type of crime and the opposing attorney doesn't know who he is and he calls him out just because of 
what seems to be presented at hand. Um, mm-hmm. But Calvin Harris, he's a very complicated character, a very complex character, just as anyone, you know, any human being, because we are very complex creatures. He's a very complex character because, I mean, he comes from a stable family. He comes from a good home. Um, he has desires and goals in life. He wants to be a filmmaker. He's an artist. And because of this situation that he got himself tied up, tied up in, people view him as this monster. And yeah. he doesn't see himself that way. His teacher doesn't see himself that way. His family doesn't see himself that way. And it kind of calls into question, um, who, who is this kid really? Because you, you ask yourself, did he actually do the crime? And then when you see the end, you're like, uh, I, I, I don't know how to feel about that. Because it's not exactly. as black and white as, as it seems, you know? And so that would be my, I think, my most memorable quote um, for the film. From the film. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean the, the the whole theme about Monster, I mean, I can't think of a better title for this film. Like like when you first heard about the title of the film, like what did you think? Like like did you think it was gonna completely just fit with how the, the, the movie like actually played out? Because I think this title really just like you said, it, it it was it was the perfect type of title you could fit in for this type of movie. Yes. No, I think I think honestly, uh this was a fantastic title. For the movie, um, it pretty much encapsulates the the whole idea, uh, the whole mindset. Um, I mean, how many times? I'm gonna say, for instance, right? You have young men who do stupid things, and then people say, like, mm-hmm. "Oh, boys will be boys." And then let's say you have the Central Park Five incident, right? Where yeah. you have these young men they're at the wrong place at the wrong time, and because of the affiliation of them being there or getting caught up in, in you know in the wrong place at the wrong time. People view them as a monster. And this is oftentimes a title that we throw on people and we don't really think about their humanity. You know, we don't think about them being created in, in the image of God. Like these are people who are creating the image of God. And yes, what they did was wrong, or if they did the crime, it was wrong, but we don't view them as human beings anymore because of this crime. And I think also uh, that's the reason why many people who come out of prison or come out of jail don't do well because they're treated as monsters within the prison system. They're not yeah. being taught to reform their lives. If anything, they're taught to be animals. Um, and so I think <laughs> they couldn't have, uh, have come up with a better, a better title uh, for this film, but it was actually a book first. I know that. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and, and that's another thing. Cause like that was, they were kind of extending it to, to this type of movie and that book title, you know, it, it just fit perfectly for also um, making the movie as well. Transitioning to what did you like the most about the storyline um, to me, like how it was perceptive and challenging along with being packed with just powerful moments as it explores um, a dark side of America's judicial system through remarkably clear eyes. Um, I thought that was, you know, a, a really um, just impressive element about this storyline uh, to you, what what particular element of the storyline did you like the most and, and kind of resonated with you um, for the most part of this movie? Yeah. So, I mean, other than the uh, the way the movie was filmed, uh, just how it was framed and just the color tones, um, one thing that really stuck out to me and I thought was kind of crazy was the court scene, whenever you had the attorneys defending their client, and I don't think, I don't know if this is a real thing that they do in real, uh, you know, judicial systems or, or in real courtrooms. But you see Kelvin's uh, attorney 
when she's defending him, she's using emotional arguments to to paint him as not a monster, but simply uh, a young man who is bright and has a bright future ahead of him. And the opposing attorney also utilizes emotional argumentation to slander his character. Now, this, of course, this probably does happen in actual court systems, but I didn't think um, this was actually like a, again, this is a movie, but I didn't think this was like a, a normative. But what's interesting was uh, Kelvin's attorney, she mentions how her job is not necessarily to bring about the facts to prove that he was innocent, but simply to show the, to show the jury that this is just a young man. He's not a monster. He's a young man. And so she uses emotional arguments to, to defend her, her um, to, to defend Kelvin. So that kind of stuck out to me because I was thinking like, is this going to work? Like mm, yeah. she's not really using a lot of facts here. And then when right. you actually see the end of the film and you see what happens and you see how Kelvin, uh, and again, a little spoiler warning, um, Kelvin was somewhat involved in the crime, more or less. Because um, mm-hmm. he, he had to give them like the head signal for, for like when everything was clear. Yes, but when he uh, leaves the, the building, he kind of forgets about it. And he does this whole um, artist thing where he sees something and he frames uh, his hand around his eye to pretend as if he's capturing a film. Like he literally forgets about what the other guys were doing. Right. He he was involved in the crime more or less, but his intention kind of changed, which is which is why like this situation wasn't black and white. Um, mm. But that's what stuck out to me because the attorney wasn't using really facts to defend him; she was just trying to repaint who he was to the jury. And so she was completely going off script, like she was kind of was like grasping for straws for her defense. Yes. Yes. Um, and also in terms of maybe a character that you felt was like underrated or just kind of went under the radar, um, you know, you, you had Jennifer Hudson's film. You also had, um, a, a lovey Simone, John David Washington. Um, and you know, also Naza as well. He, he kind of had a, a couple of uh, key scenes. Like, was there any character that you felt as though maybe went under the radar or maybe like didn't stand out as much, but really kind of had an impactful type of, um, you know, position in this movie. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer Hudson, I think definitely yeah. this woman, I mean, not only can she sing, but she can act, she can act like nobody's oh, business, yeah. but what's weird is she can do both. Well, <laughs> she can, she can do both. Well, <laughs> she can compete with uh, John David Washington. She can compete with Jeffy Wright. She can compete with Jarrell Jerome. But what's interesting is they don't really, they don't use her character that much. That was the thing. They did not use it as much. Yeah. And but there's a positive and a negative to this. It's like positive because there's more of a focus on Kelvin's character. You know, there's more of right. a, a focus on um, what's the actor's name? I think his name is. Uh, sorry, the character is Steven, but Kelvin Harrison is the actor, right? There's more yeah, Kelvin Harrison on, Jr. is the actual actor. Yeah, there's more of a focus on uh, Kelvin as as an actor, and you get to see him practice his uh, his his acting abilities. So that's a positive, but also negative because you have this amazing cast of actors like John David Washington, ASAP. Well, ASAP is a rapper. Um, Jeffy Wright, Jarrell Jerome, my boy, who did a fantastic job in When They Killer. See Us, and <laughs> they kind of kind of put him on a back burner. Like they gave Kelvin Harrison the spotlight. 
And so there's both negatives and positive uh, within this film. But Jennifer Hudson's character, definitely because like she plays this amazing motherly role uh, and she's like the the foundation and the rock and support for her uh, her son, um, Steve, um, who's played by Kelvin Harrison. And Jeffrey Wright does a fantastic job as, uh, as a father as well, but they don't use her a lot. And so I'll say her. Yeah. In what ways do you think they could have kind of used her more? Do you feel as though like she could have been more of an emotional support or maybe gotten more scenes? Like, like if you, I know it's a, it's a daunting question, but like if you were the director, like what, what ways do you think you kind of kind of would have like maybe used her more? So she would have kind of had like maybe an equal footing with some of the other key characters. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think honestly, they could have made the film longer. If True. Yeah, it was pretty concise. I think the film was probably, yeah, I think it went an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes long. So if yeah. they it was a quick watch. made it maybe like 10 to 15, yes, it was. Maybe 10, 15 minutes longer, they would have enough time to, to show uh, the other characters, to get them enough time, screen time, for them to show their acting abilities. Or they could have yeah. utilized um, both the father and the mother in the same scene. Let's say the father visits uh, Calvin's character in in jail, and he's talking to his son. And he's like, you know, I imagined, you know, you falling in love with a girl, even doing stupid stuff. But I never imagined you being in this, this situation. There's a scene where the father visits Calvin's character, and there's a scene in which uh, the mother visits them, but not really together. Um, and so they could like utilize both of them in the same same the same scene, and they could kind of right. like uh, gone back and forth. Um, just to show their acting abilities. Or if they would have, like, let's say, in the court scene, um, they could have gave them more time to speak out. Because, you know, when it comes to your son uh, being sentenced or being accused of a crime, people are going to be uneasy. People are going to speak out a lot more um, mm-hmm. within the, you know, within the crowd. And so they could have, like, had her, like, no, that's my boy, that's my baby, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, they could utilize her more in that um, in that way, or even just seeing his daily life at home, seeing spend time with his family, uh, could have been uh, a better way or a better use of the character. And so, yeah, for sure. Um, and also, um, another thing we, we've we've talked about Kelvin Kelvin Harrison Jr. as you know, obviously the main central character. This was definitely um, a standout performance performance from him. He had small roles back in 2013 for uh, Ender's Game and Twelve Years a Slave. Uh, then in 2019, he had bigger leading roles in uh, Lucy receiving uh, Best Male Lead at the Independent Spirit Awards. And um, I think back in November, me, Savon, and my brother, Tyler, reviewed the movie Waves, where he wins um, Breakthrough Actor and Performance Awards. Um, in terms of what you saw from Kelvin Harrison Jr. and also maybe what you want to see from him going forward, like what were your thoughts on the bright future this young man has and also like what he can build on for even maybe like more different roles or, or maybe a different type of um, scenario he can be put in on the screen. Mm. So um, sadly, like I've only seen Kelvin Harris in this film and in, I think, Ender's Game. I didn't even remember that he was in Ender's Game. Um, mm. I knew that he was in Loose. I haven't really watched it, at least not yet. And I didn't know he was in Waves, but I might watch that um, soon. Yeah, Waves but, was really good. Yeah. But so far, based off of what I've seen, this kid is a, is a phenomenal actor. He's a fantastic actor. And I could definitely see him being one of the top actors or black male actors um, in the future. I mean, already he's already competing against, let's say, I believe, 
John David Washington, he's competing against, I don't want to say competing, but he, he, he's in the same films as John David Washington, Jeffrey Wright, Jennifer Hudson. And not just that, I was actually surprised to see Jarrell Jerome within this film because Jarrell, yeah, I was surprised (laughs) playing a kid again. (laughs) 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 But uh, Jarrell received an Oscar for when they see us. And so he's already known to be a fantastic actor. And so I'll put Kelvin with Jarrell, and I can see them being one of the best, you know, top best black actors uh, sometime in the future. And so, yeah, for sure. And, and Jarrell Jerome, that's another one. He was phenomenal when they see us. I think that he's another rising star, like in terms of what his career arc has been. And just like, I feel as though when, in, in, in any of the, one of these movies, he really, it really feels as though he's this character, like an almost like a, a real life version like this. It doesn't even feel like a script. It's like almost like he's centrally like um, embodies this role to a degree where it just, it feels so real. Like what are kind of also, what are your thoughts on that? Like just the amazing um, abilities that he has, because as we saw, like we reviewed when they see us, like he was just uh, um, phenomenal in that movie. It just, it just left me speechless. And even in this one, he doesn't have the same type of, you know, a bigger, like a headlining role, but he still was able to put together um, an impactful performance. Uh, I'll say one, he does a great job playing a young kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, let's say, and when they see us, he actually like lost a lot of weight to, to play Corey Wise. And then uh, when he played uh, Corey Wise, when he was like older, he like just started lifting weights and stuff. And so in this film, like he, he's quite convincing. Like he looks like a regular preteen or teenager and so he does a fantastic job portraying uh, his character not just that he plays an antagonist in this movie monster where and when they see us he plays a protagonist and he's a character in which you feel very sympathetic for because again he's at the wrong place at the wrong time and he's seen as, as this good guy but he just got tangled up he didn't even do anything wrong but in this film he plays a character that chose to do wrong. And so right. there's a sense of like, oh man, a young man who's caught up in, in wrongdoing, but you're not as sympathetic because he chose to do, he willfully chose to do it. And so Jarrell Jerome is able to, to play both characters in which you can sympathize with a young man who was at the wrong place at the wrong time and wish he could change things versus another young man who's in the same situation going to prison or he's facing the judicial system, but who willfully chose to be a part or be affiliated uh, within a crime. Now I would love to see Jarrell play, like let's say a different role, maybe other than yeah. like uh, a black man. Switch being it up. Up. Yeah. Switch it up. Like maybe like uh, be, you know, be, being some type of like maybe a comedic movie, romantic movie, action movie. Like I would love to see what else he could do, like stretch, out his acting abilities. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's one it's for it's one thing to play a character that you could really um, resonate with because of the culture. Because let's say if you grew up in a culture in which uh, you know a lot about uh, police brutality within your own community, or you're aware of let's say issues within your own community due to the history of your community, like what happened in Tulsa uh, about a hundred years ago. You know, I feel as yeah. if people who come from that background are able to play characters because it's a part of the history. It's a part of their life. 
But to play a character, let's say that is from a different culture or has a different perspective is a whole other thing in which, let's say, if Jarell chooses to, he would have to expand his horizons on uh, on doing so. And so, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, uh, transitioning to t- uh, our last topic, ten years from now, do you still think um, it'll be watchable and intriguing? Um, I-, I definitely think it will. But you know, this is a more recent film, twenty eighteen. Um, it's still, you know, get, being given time to grow and really kind of just develop and, and, and for us to see like how it's going to age um, another decade from now. This is a tough rewatch, obviously, um, with a very, you know, just real themes and real elements. Um, but even though it has a recycled premise, you know, I, I think Kelvin Harrison Jr.'s performance and talent just, you know, you know, starring beyond his years and the supporting cast is very strong as well. And um Monster just packed with, you know, powerful moments. And I think the sequencing worked really well. Um, to you, Serge, like, how do you feel as though, like, do you think this will still be a watchable and intriguing film um, a decade from now? And what kind of elements do you think will draw? Maybe some some of the new viewers who haven't seen this movie and are curious about what Monster um, actually possesses. Uh, so I, I think this question can't necessarily be answered with a yes or no, because this right. is a, uh, like an indie style film. Um, this move, this movie was a 2018 movie and I just knew about it or found out about it like about a month ago or two months ago. So I think depending on the person, um, yes, it will still be a watchable film and it will still resonate with people, but because this is like a Netflix original, um, it's not going to be as big as let's say the fast and furious series or something that's Mm. uh, a bit more large, but depending on the person, let's say for me. Uh, let's say for people who enjoy indie style films or more, um, you know, private films that are made by Netflix, I think it will because the plot is unique um, because it is not just a, a typical black and white wrong versus right type film. Like this deals with reality. It's, it's, it's real. You have a character who is placed in a situation that's, that's not favorable. And when he sees his actions in the end, it's like, uh, did he do it more or less? I, I don't know. And so depending on the person, um, if they enjoy indie style films, you know, films that are not mainstream, they're not big, then I would say yes, I think they would. Um, yeah. Um, and, and, and that really is another thing, like it, it not being kind of a big budget type of movie, um, in that category, it may have, you know, not have the same reach that it will a decade from now. Um, in terms of just like, you know, we have so many just amazing black actors in this cast, um, black actresses, like in, in, in terms of more movies like this being made, like, do you feel as though there need to be more movies like this addressed and, and brought to the forefront? Or do you think maybe we need to see like a different, a different message or maybe like, also maybe having just showing black people in successful situations or entrepreneurs, like what type of movies for, for black films like this, do you think need to be put forward? Or do you think ones like this still need to be made? So the message and the premise of a, a very dark topic and theme can still be brought to the forefront. Mm. It's interesting. Cause like I've heard, I've heard people say, Oh, I'm tired of seeing a black male getting in trouble with the judicial system you know, I'm tired of seeing that picture painted over and over again. And you have films like 12... And I think Savon talks about this, right? You have films like yeah. 12 Years a Slave. You got fil- films like Birth of a Nation. Not the old one, but like the recent one four years ago. 
Um, you have films such as, of course, When They See Us. And seeing Black individuals painted in a negative connotation can be difficult. And so I would love to see more roles in which we have Black individuals take on roles that are that's honorable, that's favorable to them. Like, let's say you have uh, Chadwick Boseman, uh, rest in peace, who died right. recently, but he played Black Panther. And that inspired so many different people, so many people. Um, because representation is important because it's nice to see someone who looks like you being portrayed in a positive light. You have Michael B. Jordan, who's a very well-known actor now, and he played Killmonger, even though he's a bad guy, was still you know a cool character in and of himself. He played um, mm-hmm. Without Remorse. He played in Fantastic Four. He played in so many other films. And then, of course, you have John David Washington and other Black um, actors who, who do take on roles of historical figures or take on roles of heroes that people can look up to. Um, but I do think there's a, there can be a healthy balance in which we do have films that does show the reality of what happens within our society or societies in other countries. And I think that's necessary because it reminds us of the world that we're in. And um, I think we do have liberty to, to make films uh, like those. And so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, and just an excellent point right there. Well, Serge, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on again. Um, you know, we definitely got to got to get you back on where the whole crew is together. Uh, it, 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 it's not the same. We don't have our counterpart, uh, Savon Morris. But uh, thanks again for, for being on, man. Uh, just a, a pleasure as always. And uh, uh, got to do this again sometime. Uh, thank you, brother. I look forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I am Hill Swanson Burns. This has been Full Scope. See you later. <laughs>